0: It's so funny now what a week's difference can make for a team, whether they started off hot and then all of a sudden cooled off, or if it's vice versa, if they started off cool and then went on this incredible hot streak, what I've come to learn over the past week is you can't just conclude anything because of the week that transpired. You've got to let things play out. And I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Jack Eichel on the move. Leafs are going again with the core four. Carey Price returns and the greatness of Alexander Ovechkin. All coming up, episode 108 of the Second Thoughts Hockey podcast. Let's go. Welcome in Tuesday, November the 9th. Gonna be a good one today on the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Follow along on Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's fun now. On Spotify, I'm able to put up like a question or a poll every week and good to get a sense. So if you wanna go on there, if you wanna check, if you do listen on Spotify, you go on the episode and you go beneath it, there's normally like a poll question or something like that, which is really great, and you can go vote on it or cast your cast your vote, cast your answer. Uh, really fun feature that they do now with, uh, with Anchor and Spotify, so really awesome if you want to partake in it. Uh, we got to get to a lot of things today, and uh, I'm going to start off with a statement about what a week's difference makes for the podcast going from two episodes to one. Jack Eichel. Finally on the move, it happened a few days ago. We'll break that whole thing down. The Leafs core four after a week of getting just humbled by the fans or well, they're going even after last night's loss, Carry Price returning to Montreal and why I think it's not going to be the biggest difference in the world and the greatness of Alexander Ovechkin. That's all I got to say. He is just so phenomenally fantastic. We'll discuss that in just a little bit, but I will start off by saying this. You know, I made I have made now statements two weeks straight about whatever subject the case may be. And a week later, things completely change. Started with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Morgan Riley. And I said, you know, with cap situation and the Leafs trying to sign guys, if there's a guy to move, if they're not going to move a guy like Mitch Marner or anything like that, it would be Morgan Riley because he is going to become an unrestricted free agent. Well, by the time the next episode rolled out, he signed an eight year extension for 60 million dollars. So he's not going anywhere. You know, I talked about the Leafs again and how they were in panic mode and, you know, they were losing games. The core four, the uh, none of the players were really performing all that well. And, you know, I, I think even with the outside noise, there was a little bit of panic and uncertainty in the dressing room. And, well, weeks gone by and they're five and one. They've rattled off, they rattled off five straight wins. They lost last night, but they're five and one and they've now propelled themselves to a playoff spot in the division. Suffice to say, You can't make rulings or judgment on a week-to-week basis. You just can't. You can start to see specific trends. And also, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Like, we're going to come on here, and I'm not going to be right all the time. I'm not. There are things I'm going to be right on, the Montreal Canadiens. There are things that I'm going to be wrong about, the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just, just the way things are. It's the way things go. But... You've got to, if you pick a side, you've got to be ready to deal with the consequences of if it doesn't transpire. And so far, I'm just, I'm just keeping a, an open mind moving forward, knowing that it's not necessarily going to be my favorite every single time. So anyways, let's move on to the big news story last week, the big blockbuster deal, the Buffalo Sabres, the Vegas Golden Knights finalizing a trade to send Jack Eichel to the Golden Knights. The deal works out like this. Jack Eichel and a 2023 third round pick go to the Vegas Golden Knights in return. Forwards Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a 2022 first and a 2023 second round pick. Now that first round pick, if it is in the top 10, it will then get pushed to the next year. Will it with NBA 2023 unprotected first round pick instead? Okay. So first of all, I just want to say this is about what Jack Eichel was going to go for. This is about the deal. You know, a first, a second, a top six forward, and a really good prospect in return, the player could have been a forward or defenseman. Now, there were news and rumors about the Minnesota Wild being involved in the Anaheim Ducks and the Calgary Flames, and Vegas was always in there, and other teams were kicking the tires like the um, Carolina Hurricanes, and it, it eventually, it basically boiled down to two teams, or so it seemed, it boiled down to two teams, Vegas, obviously. And the Calgary Flames. Now, why Calgary? So there were some rumors and news going out there about Calgary having an offer on the table. And it had a first-round pick. It had a former, you know, first-round selection, a player that was currently on the roster of, of Calgary. And Matthew Kachuk. And then the deal came out that showed what Vegas gave up. And a lot of people at first were like, why wouldn't you have just picked Calgary's deal. Like that made mo- Apparently, afterwards, executives and people came out and asked Calgary, and they said, and basically, the, I think the gentleman, I think it's Brad True Living, he said, Kachuk was never on the table. Like they weren't even remotely discussing a deal involving Matthew Kachuk. And Buffalo was trying to up the bargain price for Jack Eichel. And I just, I got to, from start to finish, Buffalo looks horrible like again don't get me wrong what they got is about what I think they would get they got a first a second round pick Alex Tuck and a highly touted prospect in Peyton Krebs it's a solid haul for Jack Eichel Jack Eichel is a when he is healthy a top 10 player in the league like he is shown to be that good of a player but with the whole, he's still injured, he needs the neck surgery or the fusion or whatever he's getting, the handling of the situation, the $10 million cap hit. That's about what you're gonna get for Jack Eichel. A player in return that's gonna offset the money. I think Alex Tuck makes like four and a half or five million dollars. The prospect Krebs, a first and a second. Right? The rumor about It starts with three first-round picks, plus a prospect, a forward... Like, no one was ever going to offer that kind of thing for Jack Eichel. Especially knowing that you are not in a position of power to trade him. Like, right now, for example, in St. Louis, in in Vladimir Tarasenko, if there is still a a mutual parting of ways there, because he asked for a trade in the summer, but he's still playing and he's producing... St. Louis is in a position of strength. Because St. Louis will go, if you don't give us what we want, we're just going to keep him and he's going to play for us and we're going to go compete for a Stanley Cup. So a team's got to overpay. Jack Eichel literally said, unless you give me the surgery and the fusion that I want, I will not play another game for you. And you're on the hook for me for another six years at $10 million. Buffalo was in no way, shape, or form in a position of strength and or power. They just weren't. So for them to actually get this is is not bad. I will give them that. But the whole handling of the situation, in my opinion, from start to finish, was just abysmal. It really was. And there's articles out there now about the handling of this may deter players from signing there or may have... Cause what you normally hear on a like a 10 team no trade list, especially for players that play in the States, is a lot of them are just the Canadian teams, which is funny to me because they're the some of the biggest markets in in hockey. But a lot of them have like the, the seven Canadian teams and then like a couple other franchises. One of those franchises moving forward is probably going to be the Buffalo Sabres because of the way that this was handled. You want to know why players love going to places like Toronto like New York, like Montreal, because they treat their players with class. They treat them with the higher utmost respect. It's first class all the way. Everyone talked about Morgan Riley signing in Toronto, and why he signed and why he took a discount. It was one of the first things he said in the interview. He said, the players here are treated top tier like no other team in the NHL. It's first class all the way. You get treated well. You get the surgeries you want. You get the best medical staff. Players love going to Montreal. Yes, it's intense. Yes, there's a lot of pressure. But look at what happened last year in Montreal. When you do well, you are treated like royalty. New York, the Mecca. In the United States, Broadway. There's two New York teams, teams, it doesn't matter. Panarin. All the players that want to sign there. Look how good they're doing this year. It's, it's, it's top notch over there. You think it's top notch in Buffalo? It's going to be real hard after this whole situation is finally over. And even Jack Eichel was like, I feel really bad about not winning there. But also Eichel was hurt a lot. And the team he was surrounded with was god-awful. He was never given an opportunity with any sort of goaltending, any sort of defense core. They're now finally starting to build through the draft with Dalene and with Owen Power. They got rid of Ristolainen, but... You know, it's just... Now they've got Dylan Cousins and Peyton Krebs, and, like, they're starting to get some youngsters. And they actually got off to a better start than they did last year. So that's a positive note. But... You know, right up till the very end, Buffalo trying to trying to get Vegas to give more, and I think this was Vegas's line. And Buffalo tried to push him once or twice to try and give him a little bit more, like an extra pick or something. And Vegas was like, "Nah, this is all we can afford right now. Like we gotta like we gotta win games ourselves right now." Vegas is missing now with Jack Eichel due to injury, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, William Carlson. And Jack Eichel. They are they are hurt all across the board. They need guys coming back and slowly, like they're they're in survival mode right now until they get their top guys back. Then they're gonna start rolling. Man, are they gonna start rolling? But now it kind of all brings it together as to why Vegas moved Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing. They did it for cap space. Cap space, now they went out and got Eichel. And I feel bad for Alex Tuck. And I think Alex Tuck is a great player. He's going to fit He's gonna fit in well. He's going to be a great uh, locker room presence for Buffalo. But that dude got selected in the expansion draft to Vegas. Came out of nowhere along with a lot of members on that team. Signed a really nice contract. Signed his big ticket contract. Goes on a winning organization right out of the gate. Builds the culture there. They're Stanley Cup contenders each and every year. They go to the top four last year. And now he's in Buffalo in another rebuilding team and has to be another locker room guy to rebuild the, 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 the room, the whole organization's mindset and the structure there. And I feel bad. I know he's getting paid, but man, that, that guy has been through. He's been through a decent amount. He was kind of flip-flopping when he first started his NHL his journey to the NHL he was kind of flip-flopping to the NHL and the AHL, And, you know, finally stuck as a player and was a huge instrumental part in their, in Vegas, first run, but like Buffalo gets a haul, like Buffalo gets a, a decent haul for a guy who at, at, at some point, that price was going to get driven way down. So as, as botched as the situation was, that's about as much as you were getting for Jack Eichel Vegas aside, when they're healthy, they're a wagon. They're they're a wagon. Their defensive core features probably one of the top pairing defend like defense pairings. That's going to be on Team Canada and Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo. You've got your first line is literally going to be Jack Eichel, <laughs> Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty. Good luck. Your second line is your Carlson, Marcia So, Riley Smith, nightmare of a line. Chandler Stevenson, who played top minutes for that team, was centering the first line, is now your third line center. The depth there is fantastic. You've got no Krebs, you've got no tuck, but that's okay. You've got other guys to fill in that roster. And then you've got Robin Leonard in goal for the next little bit. And he has been phenomenal. So when Vegas is fully healthy, if they can survive until then, they're a wagon. It's it's all about survival mode for them. And they just, they they, they beat, who uh, was it, Montreal, who are like 3-10 and 10 now on the year. They scored five straight. They're winning games without these guys. They're only going to get better when they come back. So good on Vegas. I'm super happy for Eichel. He's got an opportunity now to finally go uh, play in a winning organization. He is now the number one center with some really good players. He signed through 25-26 at $10 million. Vegas can afford it. And and this saga is finally over, and we can move on from it. Okay, let's let's move on to. I, I like talking about these guys strictly based on the fact that you even if you like them, you don't like them. They're talked about regardless. A week ago, the Toronto Maple Leafs were in panic mode. They lost. to the Carolina Hurricanes. Frederick Anderson was the goalie that won. David Ayers, who was the emergency backup, was doing the siren for the game. And Toronto was coming off losses to Pittsburgh, and it was a mess. Fast forward a week later. They're 5-1 in their last six. They just come off a stretch where they've beaten Vegas, Tampa, Boston. They lost to the Kings last night. And their core four, The four players who are making all the money there outside of Riley are finally going. Listen to this for a second. After last night's game, John Tavares scored the only goal for Toronto. And honestly, I'm going to talk about the game and and like how they lost. Toronto's last 14 goals have been scored by the core four. All right, are you ready? Here's the order of goals... For the Toronto Maple Leafs in their last six games. Okay? It goes, Tavares, Marner, Marner, Matthews, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Tavares. Listen, they got criticized. They responded. In their last six games... The four of them have combined for 35 points in six games. Tavares 10, Marner 12, Nylander 6, Matthew 7. In their last six games. They don't need to win every game. And it was evidenced last night. Last night was a game against the LA Kings. I caught a bit of it. But Trevor Moore all of a sudden became Connor McDavid playing against his former team that drafted him, put on the wheels against um, Timothy Lilliger and Rasmus Sandine, and pulled a McDavid, drove the puck from, from right to left and chipped it over the glove hand of Jack Campbell. There were f- three or four poke checks prior to the goal that somehow missed the puck and stick. And Andreas Anthony, who we haven't seen him do that since his like rookie year drives the one side against Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin also with a poke check and then finds a crease through Jack Campbell's arm who's also been playing fantastic. He had a night off last night. Philip Deneau scores a goal where he drives the net, runs into Campbell, clear goalie interference, wasn't pushed, kicks the puck twice and then goes in. They call it a goal. Like sometimes you're just not going to get the breaks. And last night was one of those nights. But before, right we came on here a week ago on this podcast and Toronto was coming off a 4-1 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. And in that third period against Carolina, they got outshot 15 to 9 against Carolina and a game they were losing going into the third. Last night going into the third, Toronto was down 3-1. They outshot the Kings this time 14 to I believe 8 or 9 had a power play, and didn't concede the fourth goal until about four or five minutes left when they were taking chances and and trying to, trying to keep the game closer. I don't care that they lost. I cared how they were losing. Last night was a game. I'm okay that they lost. Here are the shots on goal. They, outshot, they were outshot 12-6 in the first. They came back the next two periods and outshot the Kings 14-8 and 14-9. to They scored on one of their two power plays. They outhit the Kings. They outshot the Kings. It wasn't their night. But the game against Carolina, it, the way they lost, it, it it didn't add up. They got a shot 35-25, and in the fourth period, in, in the third period, sorry. They got a shot 15-9. They got a shot 15-8 in the first, and the period where they outshot Carolina, the shots were 8-6. Sometimes it's how you lose. And if you're a fan, you're okay with a loss where you dominate two of three periods. The bounces aren't going your way. You score a power play goal. A goal that was literally kicked in after goaltender interference. You just kind of sit there afterwards and go, it wasn't our night. They take on the Flyers tomorrow. Jack Campbell has been just... Remarkable. He looked a little off. I want to see how the endurance test is going to be for him because we got some news involving their other goaltender, Peter Morazzi, coming up. But the point is, it's the guys who are paid to score are scoring. There will be losses along the way, but it's how you lose. If the effort is there, if the chances are there, if the puck's just not going your way, that's fine. But it's it's the hustle. Every team is going to lose games like that. But if the hustle is there, if it always feels like you finally beat a team, you're like, oh my gosh, thank gosh we beat them because they were coming. That was, that was LA this morning. LA was like, wow, like we won 5-1. It didn't feel like 5-1. They got a shot for two straight periods. They got a lot of lucky bounces, a goal that should not have counted. Teams are going to lose games like that. Carolina got handed their first loss against the Panthers. Panthers lost last night. All these great teams. Happens. Patron's four core are finally going. Their power plays going. The, the scoring depth will come, but it's not supposed to come more than your top guys. And their top guys right now are on point. Uh, Let's move on here to the Montreal Canadiens and some really encouraging news for them as their goaltender, Kerry Price, uh, rejoined the club yesterday after spending the last month in the NHL players assistance program. This was from the head coach Dominic Ducharme said before the weekend, he said that Price will meet with the athletic trainers Monday to develop a plan moving forward as he gets ready to return to the crease. It's not like he's going to play tonight against the Kings. It's unknown how much more time he'll need because you got to get game ready. He also was recovering from off-season knee surgery prior to the program. If you remember, he entered the program on October 7th, was expected to come back after completing it after a minimum of 30 days. He, uh, you know, that's going to be a big boost to the team. I'm not going to lie. But it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on a guy, and he's used to it. That's who he is as a goaltender. He loves the pressure. He's used to the pressure. He's used to it. But it's a lot of pressure after going all the way to the finals last year. You start off this year 3-10. and Your captain's not there. Your big shutdown center, who had three points last night, by the way. Philip Deneau, he looks great over there. The Kings, he, he is a perfect fit for LA. I had no idea how he was going to look. Him and Kopitar is the one 2 Phenomenal. Absolutely dynamic. But... Again, there's a difference between carry Price in the regular season and postseason. Here's an example. In 22 games during the postseason last year, he had a 924 save percentage. In the regular season, he had a 901. Very different numbers. And if they're already starting behind the eight ball without some important players, they're not scoring a lot of goals. You're going to ask him to basically start 80 to 85% of your games moving forward after coming out of a a, a a rehab assistance program trying to get your mindset right and you're going to be put all this pressure the moment you walk into the building. That's that's asking a lot even of Carey Price. He'll go to the Olympics probably. He'll be great because the team in front of him is going to be one of the greatest Canadian teams ever assembled. It's going to be, it's going to rival the 2002 Salt Lake City team. Remember that team with Mario Lemieux and Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman and Brendan Shanahan and Marty Brodeur and Curtis Joseph and Jerome McGinley and yeah, like that team, like this team this year is going to have Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Mitch Marner, Bergeron, Pasternak, no, not Pasternak, like Bergeron, Marchand, Petrangelo. They're going to, like, this team is going to have almost as much skill, if not as much, as the O2 team. So any goal you throw in net there is probably going to be pretty good. And as great as this is for Habs fans and for the Habs in general, don't expect to just start winning four out of every five games for the foreseeable future. That is a lot of pressure. Your team is very different. Your Two of your three most important players are still not going to play this year because one of them plays for the Kings and one of them is not playing at all this year. And Montreal has shown that they are not the same team they were last year. They don't have that Cinderella magic. They don't have that shutdown center. Their goaltender has to play at a world-class level for basically three quarters of the entire season in 85% of the games to give the Habs a chance because they're so behind the eight ball. Right now, Tampa Bay is third in the division. They're tied with Detroit and Montreal has played as many games and they played two fewer games in Tampa. For third right now, they are eight points out of third place. They have scored... Just 26 goals this year, which is only up on two teams, I believe. And they're tied with a couple others for near the very bottom of the division. And they've given up 45, which is the most in the league outside of Chicago and Arizona. That number will go down. But Carey Price doesn't score goals. And you need to score goals. If you're going to be successful, and they've they've got to start rolling now. They've got to give him a little bit more of a leeway, like if he comes back and this team is, I don't know. I said they're three and ten. Like if they're six and fifteen or seven and fifteen, that's that's a big hill to climb. As every other team gets another game or two over five hundred and continues to grow, it's going to be tough. It's great news, but it's it's a lot. It don't. Put this pressure on a guy coming back from an NHL players assistance program for mental health and coming off of offseason knee surgery to play 85% of your games, have a 924 save percentage for the entirety of it, give up less than two goals a game and make a playoff push. That's asking a lot of him, even Carey Price. All right. Last thing here, because I got to hurry up. I got to I got to head out of the studio here soon. Last night was another milestone for Alexander Ovechkin. His goal in the second period. To redirect that shot from Jensen. Orloff. Score! Dimitri Orloff off the crossbar and down. I think Ovi's celebrating also, like he got a piece of it going to the net. We'll see if Alex gets that goal to tie Brett Hall or not but definitely another shot that looked like was tipped on the way because net Orlov, there's Ovi in front of the net and he might have caught a piece of that and it goes under the bar, here's Orlov once again there's the Ovi stick coming out, did it hit him or not? He certainly reacted like he did but from this play it certainly looks like Ovi might have a his celebration to me tells you the story. He has tied the Golden Brett. Ties Brett Hull for fourth on the all-time goals list. 741. And I just want to remind everybody out there. Much like Tom Brady in the National Football League. Much like Cristiano Ronaldo in the, in the Premier League. Don't don't shy away from from watching greatness. I have come to the understanding now of Tom Brady. I have realized his greatness. I I don't need to like him. But I respect the fact that he is 44 or 43 years old. And he's going to be the MVP in the NFL. I respect the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo, despite being 37 or 38, is the leading scorer for... Manchester United. In year 17, Alexander Ovechkin is leading the National Hockey League in goals. He is averaging almost a goal a game at 36. 11 and 12 games. He's third in the NHL in points. He is now 153 goals away from Wayne Gretzky's record. He will have sole possession of fourth place in the all-time NHL goals list within the next four to five games. He'll score a goal between that time. And he's got a chance to, to, to catch up to third and be third in all-time in, point, in goals. And by the way, by the time next year rolls around, if he's healthy, he probably hits 800, which is just insanity. You want to hear the crazier part? When you hear that Ovechkin has 11 goals this year in 12 games, you're like, ah, eight of them got to be on the power play. He only has two power play goals this year, which means nine of them have come at five on five or four on four or even strength, which is hilarious because everybody rips on him because all he does is score power play goals or all he does is, right, sits in his office and shoots one timers. But then all I hear is from NHL players, this guy's been doing it for 17 years and we we don't know how to stop it. We can't stop it. Appreciate greatness when it is here because we will not see this again for a very long time. I don't care that Austin Matthews and David Pasternak and Stamkos and even McDavid in the goal total. I don't care that any of those guys are playing right now and scoring. And Matthews won the rocket last year. Alexander Ovechkin has had eight or nine fifty goal years. I think it's eight. He has had a, a, an entire lockout year when he first got drafted, a lockout shortened season, I believe, in 2012, 2013, or 20, 2013, 2014, whatever year it was. He had a COVID-shortened season when it first hit a couple years ago. And last year was a shortened season because of COVID. And he's still fourth, tied for fourth on the all-time NHL goals list. Imagine if he had all those games back. Let's just say for fun, because his rookie year he scored like 56. Let's just say if he played the year before, he scores 20. And in the other COVID and lockout years, instead of playing 56 games the one year, they play the full 82. Let's say he plays another 20 games. Let's say he chips another 15 goals. And in the COVID years, the, the before and after, let's say he combines for another 20. And I'm lowballing it, by the way. That's still 55 extra goals. Which would put him four away from 800 at this point. Appreciate greatness. Stamkos is the only other dude to score 60 within the last two decades outside of Ovechkin. And he hit 60. Ovi oh, at 65. Yes, Matthews has an ing- incredible shot. And McDavid's probably going to put up 200 points this year. But goal wise, McDavid might finish with like 45 goals and like 120 something assists. But goal wise, even Leon Drysidel, right? We're going to see little spurts of this from guys. The, f- the consistency of Ovechkin. Scoring 50 and 52 and 55 and 64 and 57 and 58. And you're not going to see it again. You're just not. The raw, outside of maybe nobody, shot-wise, there is nobody in the NHL that once they cross the blue line, They could literally score from anywhere. McDavid is not scoring from the blue line. Ovechkin could walk into a shot from the blue line with no screen and beat a goaltender clean. McDavid couldn't. Matthews might. Stamkos might. But there's no hesitation that Ovi can. There are plenty of players who are dangerous once they enter the blue. But there is no player who is a threat to score as much as Ovechkin is once they cross the blue line. I understand that I'm probably a little bit bigger of an advocate of his than some. But I'm just saying, appreciate greatness while this is here. There's not going to be another player in a very long time that touches 800 goals. It's there's just not. There might be guys that hit five, that hit six. There might be guys that hit seven. But Ovi's going to be just the third player ever to hit 800 goals. Only Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky will be the other two guys. Not Yeramir Yager, not Brett Hull, not whoever else you can think of. It's Gordie Howe, Wayne Gretzky, and at some point it will be Alex Ovechkin. And then two years from now... This dude is going to be within 50 to 60 goals of this record. And it's going to get real. And Ovi is skating. He's hitting. He's shooting. He's, he, he got a 600th career assist last night. So on top of 741, he's got 600 assists. So everyone's like, all, all he does is score. Well, he's got 600 career assists in his, his, his career. Appreciate greatness. He's 153 away. He's one more from taking sole possession of fourth. I think he's less than 20 away from third. Enjoy it while it's here, folks. You got five more years of Ovechkin. Enjoy every second of it. All right, let's hit some quick news and notes before we get on out of here. Uh, let's start with the Leafs, how we talked about Jack Campbell and the fatigue. Well, their other goaltender, Peter Mrazik, expected to miss four weeks due to a groin injury that he re-aggravated recently. His last game was October 30th against the Detroit Red Wings. Columbus Blue Jackets forward Patrick Laine, sign lane four to six weeks with an oblique strain. Unfortunately, he was having a really great start to the season. Uh, tough. He had it, uh, unfortunately, late in last Wednesday's contest against the Colorado Avalanche, so he is on IR for the time being. Washington Capitals forward Anthony Mantha out indefinitely, unfortunately, after undergoing surgery following Thursday's game last Thursday against the Florida Panthers. Uh, He suffered the injury in the second period when he collided with one of his teammates, John Carlson, during power play. He finished the shift, but did not play for the rest of the game. Really tough out there. And then New Jersey Devils forward Miles Wood undergoing surgery on his right hip. The team announced uh, there is no timetable for his return. San Jose Sharks placing a couple more players on their COVID Uh, protocol list, just some really tough news over there in San Jose. Hopefully they can get everyone back to a, um, to a healthy stand. Uh, As we keep going along the news and notes here, Senators uh, Holden uh, and assistant coach join Watson, Austin Watson on the COVID-19 list as well. A lot of play. You're going to see this all year long. Players are going to be part of the, 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 the COVID list. Alexander Barkov was day to day. He played last night. So luckily he's back. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, this was a big news story. They fired their head coach, Jeremy, uh, Calton after, um, everything else going down. They have gotten off to a one, nine and two start to begin the season. He was the fourth. He was in his fourth season coaching the team. They have just been abysmal all year this year. That was another thing I was wrong about. I thought Chicago was going to be way better based on the acquisitions. They have been abysmal this year. So, uh, head coach is out and, uh, we'll see how they are moving forward. I just want to give a big shout out to um, I want to give a shout out to the Calgary Flames. I don't give them a whole lot of love on this show. They're seven one and three on the year. Jacob Markstrom has four shutouts this year. I think four in the last eight games. He's got a goals against average of one point six five, a save percentage of nine forty two. Everybody's talking about the Oilers and deservedly so. McDavid and Dryside are going to have one hundred fifty points each this year, but the Calgary Flames have been fantastic this year, and I want to give a big kudos to them for. Their starts and everyone ripping on them. It's contract year for Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Sean Monahan's been getting criticized for the last couple of years. Andrew Mangiapane looks friggin' amazing. Um, Elias Lindholm looks great over there, too. Kachuk with the between-legs goal. Calgary's been on a heater. We got to start getting them some love. They lost their captain. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They were underwhelming and underperforming. They have come out this year on fire good for them all right that does it for the show today appreciate you listening in follow along google podcast apple podcast spotify instagram and twitter at st hockey podcast uh i got the movember link by the way i'm growing it out right now i'm about at 300 raising money for uh, men's mental health and suicide prevention if you want to go to the link on our instagram page i will share it up there and uh donate if you can because it's all in support of a good cause until then enjoy the rest of the week i'll see you on tuesday that's a wrap